1: Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday, time for our Zoomer squad. And today, CARP is launching a special long-term care campaign. But before we get to that, I'd like to take a few minutes to remember a true Zoomer icon, Alex Trebek, who passed away yesterday from Pancreatic cancer. He lived well and continued working until the end. He was very open about his disease. Four stage pancreatic cancer is still a death sentence. Four stage of any cancer is considered terminal. And Terrible as it is, terrible as it was, I do want to point out that he survived for two years with a reasonable quality of life, and that does represent some progress because it wasn't that long ago that most people with that diagnosis could not expect to last a year. Uh, but let's talk a bit about his life. Let's bring in David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media and Chief Marketing Officer at CARP, Bill Van Gorder, Interim Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and Peter Muggridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi, Libby. Well, Alex Trebek was one of the few people that uh, retained uh, celebrity icon status into his uh, 80s. Peter?
2: Yeah, I mean, and and uh, kept going, as you say, through various uh, health struggles. He had a bad heart, too, I think. And, and at, at some point he had uh, brain surgery to remove clots. So he, he kept it up and he maintained this sort of... Uh, professorial pose on Jeopardy! for close to four decades. And I don't know, I I, I sort of got the sense that as long as he was up there, you know, um, every night in the Jeopardy! studio, I always got the sense that everything was okay. You know, he was a calm and steady force. And he eventually became one of the best-known Canadians ever, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, quite a legacy. David?
3: David? Well, I agree with what Peter said. I think there's, it's hard to imagine any time that he, that he wasn't, uh, yeah. you know, a factor in the in the and and I believe you could you could check, but I believe that he's the only person ever to have hosted three game shows simultaneously on major networks. I mean, we think of them, of course, with Jeopardy, but there was a, a Concentration, Who Do You Trust? There was a whole. A list of other game shows that he hosted and he even juggled three of them at one time and he i think he was he, i think it was his humor he was he always had that twinkle in his eye that he he was, yeah. he was very professional but he was having fun with it too it wasn't the end of the world if you got the question wrong or or if you got it right he, he had that sort of gentle uh very approachable very accessible and i think it was his accessibility that made him so popular
1: yeah, and he approached everything with grace. Uh, Bill, I also, I mean, you know, th- trends come and go. Yeah. Celebrities yeah. certainly come and go. And he had a staying power, but with, you know, a, a real gentleman.
4: He he really did. And, and uh, he was, for those of us for whom he was a... Uh, Contemporary, uh, we we watched him, uh, you know, first here in Canada doing the mornings on CBC and reach for the top. and I remember oh, yeah, how, top, yeah, yeah, I remember how disappointed that I was as somebody who was uh, starting out in my very short-lived radio career to see him go to the States about the, the same time and thinking we would lose him. But we didn't lose him. He stayed, uh, he stayed connected to Canada, close to Canada, Canadian eyes, uh, and was really an example for all of us of an age to live fully and, and uh, positively right through to the very end.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's something I want to say about um, his approach to the disease. Uh, um, It's always uh, difficult for me when somebody famous dies of pancreatic cancer. I'm a 12-year survivor. I had been hoping that I would not, at this point, be as much of an outlier as I still am. Uh, And as I said, there, there has been progress in the disease, but one of the things I admire a great Deal of him and and something that I tried to uh, practice in my own life when I was ill is that you know when you have cancer, it takes up so much of your life, and I think the challenge is to live as best you can and and to live your regular normal life as much as you can and I think he really exemplified that he apparently recorded uh, his last episodes. Of Jeopardy two weeks ago, and they will air around Christmas time, but you know, and and um, you know, people talk about how courageous that is, and it is, and how how difficult it is, but I'm sure it also made everything better for him. It was a refuge from this disease that takes so much.
3: I think that's an excellent point. Uh, it must have been how he fit all that in, must have been part of the. Uh, Survival strategy itself. I think you make a really good point there.
1: Okay. Yes. So, uh, Alex Trebek, we we salute you. He'll be missed. He'll be missed. Certainly will. A great example. Uh, let's move along to the CARP campaign, uh, Bill. What's it all about?
4: Well, uh, as we as we have talked. Uh, uh, the last couple of weeks about the uh, inadequacies about what the Ministry of Long Term Care is uh, is doing, uh, we finally got to the point where we were hearing from our members and older uh, Ontarians themselves saying this has to stop. We're getting nothing but uh, promises and long term. We need action now, and the Ministry was not. Uh, paying attention. They weren't acting. Uh, Minister Fullerton is at the head of the ministry and it just got to the point where we said there has to be change. And that's why we have a petition now that is calling on uh, uh, people to sign up and join our cry that uh, Minister Fullerton has to go.
1: Hmm. Uh, David, I mean, sometimes when I, when I look at these things, I don't know, sometimes uh, a call for someone's head just makes the government sort of dig in and eat even further. I don't know. Um, uh, what's your take? I mean, clearly she has not been handling this very well.
3: Well, I think I think the reason we're doing this is that um, we we have to try to compel the government to pay more attention and to take some action, whether it's literally firing or we don't know. Maybe maybe he will, maybe he won't. Maybe he'll dig in his heels and say, precisely because you have people signing the petition, I'm not going to do it. But the the issue is this, that it's fine to have long-term plans, whether it's long-term care or anything else, to announce spending. And we know that some of the aspects of what was wrong with the long-term care situation in Ontario can only be solved over many years. We know that. You can't rebuild all these buildings in three weeks and, and put in better facilities. But the immediate issues of the lack of staff, the lack of equipment, and particularly the contradictory rules and regulations and information, the lack of consultation with the homes themselves and with Uh, other bodies such as the nurses' unions and so on, that can all be dealt with right now. And our perception was that the ministry uh, was only focused on uh, announcements way off into the future where it wasn't going to be accountable. And we need somebody to be accountable for the fact that over nine months, eight, nine months, since last February or March, they really have been behind the eight ball every single time. So you know, it's like a baseball team. You can't fire all the players, but you fire the manager. So we think that Minister Fullerton has to take the heat and take the rap for the failure of her, her bureaucrats. Um, and maybe if uh, if uh, Premier Ford does uh, make a switch, it'll wake up the uh, those bureaucrats, and that's what we're hoping.
1: Peter, I know that uh, as, as late as a, as early, as late as a week ago, you were surprised she was still there.
2: Yeah, you know, um, the I, 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 when you're when you're long-term care minister, you can't pass the buck. You know, the, the 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 premier can pass the buck about the deaths in long-term care, and the health minister can pass the buck, but the long-term care minister can't pass the buck. It's it's her bailiwick, and um, it hasn't been well run. There's been mixed messaging. All the unions are are up in arms. The opposition is calling for her head. Um, I, I don't see any anything positive she's done, and um, I'm sure there has been, but it hasn't been well communicated. And I, I, I just, I, I think at this point there, uh, there's no other choice but to either ask her to resign or to move on and and push her out.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, Trudeau did
2: it with with Morneau, right? When when during the wee scandal, oh, they that's needed true. A, they needed a, a um, scapegoat and. Uh,
1: Except it was it was the 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 Wee scandal had more potential to damage him personally. And uh, I don't know if that's true with Doug Ford.
2: Yeah, not yet. But well, I, I think with CARP campaign, you know, it, it, it might raise the heat a bit, you know.
1: Yeah. Well,
3: well, that you know, I think that is the part of our... Was also, the Wee scandal was also presented as uh, incompatibility around future policy directions as well. I mean, Morneau was... Was uh, they wanted you know, to think Morneau was being pushed because uh, of disagreements about the stimulus and Serb and things going forward. So the point is, Trudeau didn't hesitate to, you know, make a move that he thought would be advantageous. And in this case, I think the optics of having this all-important ministry, that's all they have to do is long-term care. Exactly. So how could they not Understand how can they not get the messaging right? How can they not get the even the emergency measures right? How can they how can they plan the the interim commission which we talked about here uh, several weeks ago, Libby? The interim report was scathing. How can they? This is the only thing you've got to do, and suddenly this pandemic occurs right in your wheelhouse, and you're frozen in the headlights. So. Who should take the blame now? Maybe uh, if we were interviewing the minister, she might say, "It's not me." It's the assistant deputy minister it's these people over here or these people over there. But she's she in our she system can't of responsible the there, government. Yeah. She has to wear it.
1: Now, I don't want to steal my own thunder here, because uh, after after you guys, I have the finance minister coming up, and, and we did a, a pre-tape uh, just about an hour ago. And, of course, the main thing was, well, we had a budget on Thursday, and there was no allocation. I mean, they they made a commitment. They said, we're going to staff up long-term care. They gave themselves a a, a long amount of time to get that done, but there was no budget allocation for it. So, uh, you know, you, you can't quite blame that on the Minister of Long-Term Care. I'm, I'm not defending her, but uh, what do you make of that?
4: Well, that's one of the reasons uh for for carp uh, taking this position in terms of the Ministry of Long Term Care, and that's to uh, uh, wake uh, Premier Ford up to the fact that uh, the people who have voted for him, the older adults of uh, Ontario, are really concerned about wh- the way this whole government is being managed to put forward a budget that has literally nothing. In it, that's that's new for uh, uh, for seniors, and to and uh, what there is there has, has really nothing to do with with long term care. And then to have a ministry, they, they
1: have uh, a few things about it. They're they're uh, they're uh, accelerating a couple of builds, and uh, yeah, they're accept- they're accelerating some builds, and they've got at least this time they've got PPE
4: some uh uh some planning, but really just just promises, not real plans no no details uh poor leadership uh, uh and then inequality. the in, a, in uh, adequate work that David uh, uh, was talking about. Uh, uh, we've got to put the uh, the pressure somewhere, and there's got to be there's got to be some uh, results. And the budget certainly didn't give any indication that they were really focused on uh, uh, the the health care of older adults in in Ontario with this budget.
3: And if I could make just one more point quickly here, uh, Libby, is that it's the only province in Canada that's got a ministry of long-term care. It used to be part of health and long-term care. Then they spun it off as just long-term care before COVID. So you would think, hey, this is pretty innovative. This government is recognizing that long-term care on its own is a big component of the health care system sufficient to warrant its own ministry. So you'd say, wow, they're really on top of it. Now along comes the first real crisis that – is is heavily concentrated in their area, which is no fault of theirs. The virus is the virus. Heavily concentrated in their area, and they're uh, dithering around. And so that's what we um, are against. And just to make it clear for those listeners that, that haven't heard the commercials we're running on, on the station, go to carp.ca. There is a petition that you can sign asking, this, demanding of the premier, that he fire Merrilee Fullerton. It's that simple, because something needs to wake them up over there.
1: Uh, It's it's interesting, and again, I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, uh, coming up after, I have, you know, about 15 minutes with the finance minister, and he told me that they didn't, quite have a number. He kept referring to the number that it would cost to staff up. And I thought, oh, did I miss something? But no, they don't have it. But um, one of the unions has uh, put it at about $1.3 billion over a number of years. So, uh, you know, I'm sure if a union could come up with a number, I, I mean, I suspect that if they had wanted to, they could have as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's been the that's the problem David's talking about is, is just lack of uh, a clear message. We we heard during the um the COVID-19 long-term care commission that um long-term care homes were getting um weekly updates, weekly changes to protocol during during the the first 6 months of the pandemic. So every week a new protocol came in and the operators were saying each new protocol often contradicted the previous one, and that it was unenforceable, and that local health authorities had different protocols. And the whole thing was a big uh, mass of confusion and. Uh and, and just not getting the message out. And and again, where does that fall, Libby? And, and, and I think that falls clearly in the minister's office. You know.
1: and, and the other thing, interesting story in the Star today about inspections and uh, that there's, there's only been one long-term care home that's lost its license for not conforming to provincial standards. And those standards, nobody enforces them. And when you ask about it, they say, well, where would all those people go if we shut that home down?
2: Right, And, you know, there were problems which she inherited, for sure. The problems were were baked in a long time ago. But um, what has she done with inspections? What has she done with PPE? What has she done with staffing? What has she done with clarity of consistency of message? And I I, I, I see those as all uh, huge areas of weakness and and, uh, not surprised by CARP's call for her resignation.
1: Okay. uh, Let's take a call from Tim in Brampton. Hi, Tim. Hello.
4: I'm a CARP member, Great, and uh, I got a suggestion for CARP. Everybody can be a critic, but it's very difficult to be a person who promotes a solution. So CARP should publish in their Zoomer what they think should be had. I got five recommendations. What should the pay schedule be for workers? Where do we train or get the qualifications for these workers? How and what is the staff ratio of worker to patients? How are we going to uh, accomplish hiring all these workers in the period of time CARP thinks it should happen? And lastly, how are we gonna pay for it? I think if we could get CARP to put that in the magazine and outline it and call it an actual plan,
3: I'd support CARP, I'd even read it. Thank you.
1: Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Who wants to take that?
3: Well, well I I jump can, in, uh, I'll jump I'll, in, uh, I'll, if, I'll, if you will. Uh, I think that the, um, the, the items on the gentleman's list are all, are all true and valid items. But, you know, CARP isn't running the system. CARP doesn't have access to all of the data. You presume that the people you elect uh, to run this know what they're doing, and your job is to call them out. And CARP has produced white paper after white paper, budget submission after budget submission. Every time the government does its planning, CARP is there along with other advocacy groups. And uh, we have submitted uh, plans in the past. The government are brilliant. And by the way, I say the government. I mean the liberal government, the conservative. They're brilliant at having committee hearings and testimony and white papers and plans. The problem is that this is a very nasty, immediate crisis in which they haven't stepped up. And uh, I don't think CARP needs to apologize for being critical of this. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, and, you know, they are thinking about it. And, and you know, one of them, I'm connecting the dots here, one of the things they're thinking about is immigration in, in, in order to staff up and that might have something to do with the liberals declaration last week that they want to increase immigration in the midst of the pandemic which uh, a lot of people think is a little strange but uh, be that as it may so it just they're they're thinking pretty slowly and you know i think you made this point david is that they they haven't really distinguished between okay these are the things that are going to take time this is what we do now
2: that's it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the main okay. point of it all. You know, um, sure, there are problems, but what about the immediate problems? What's the plan? When, when are we going to accomplish it? Where's the money coming from? They haven't done any of that. And, uh, you know, it, it's no wonder that it's come to this.
4: And and uh, David is right. Uh, CARP has put through has uh, put out many recommend uh, recommendations to uh, uh, to governments at all levels. There are specific recommendations we've made, and what we've been making are ones that could be immediately done. Some of these recommendations have been in front of the government for a couple of years now, and nothing yet uh, done uh, on them. And and. What we seem to get back from time to time as well, this, this will cost a, a lot of uh, money. It'll mean big deficits. You know, the, the survey showed, what was the last survey showed that 82% of respondents Said that they wanted the government to do what they had to do with the on um, the impact of the pandemic and public service. Only eighteen percent said they should try to limit the size of the uh, deficit. The public is behind doing what needs to be done to to take action now, and this this government just keeps keeps hesitating.
1: Well, uh, if you ask them, they think they're doing what needs to be done. Let's hear from Joan in North York. Hello, Joan. Hello. I want to make a comment. I'm an old
5: RN. I've worked in nursing homes. But the thing I keep hearing from everybody is, why hasn't the government ordered um, or actually hired PSWs? Do you personally know anybody or does anybody at the station or anybody that's talking know any people that want to take a course to be a PSW and to be able to clean up the feces and the urine and all the things that go on? It's not a happy job. And, um, again, we keep talking about it, but where are we going to get them? How much are you going to pay them to make it worthwhile? And um, so that's my comment. I don't know if anybody has any answers to that, but uh, I'd like to know everybody is complaining about it. If they know anybody that will take the course, were they, in fact,
1: that's a, a very good question, and and again, I think they will want to be relying on immigration for some of it, but to make the working conditions better. And you know, um, it depends working on the place, condition. on the place you're Work. working. I know, I remember that uh, when my mother-in-law was in a great long-term care home called, called Princess Gardens in Peterborough, the the PSWs there were great. And they seem to be happy doing their jobs, and they, I guess they knew that they were really helping people. But, you know, I guess a lot comes down to the way the place is managed. And the other
5: thing is to get immigrants, which is a great idea, if they can speak English, because it's so important, because of hearing loss, etc., with the older people, that they'll be able to understand the PSWs, and not just shove them around and get them to hurry so they can get their work done, because it is a difficult
1: job. Absolutely, and a very important one. Joan, thanks for your call. Thank you. Okay, we're uh, basically out of time here, so uh, give us the details on the campaign and what you're hoping listeners will do, starting with Bill.
4: Well, we want people to go to carp.ca, and to look at the petition, read uh, read what we uh, have put there. If you agree with it, sign the uh, peti- petition and uh, and join the group. We'll keep you up to date on what's what's happening and make sure that uh, uh, the government knows how you feel.
3: David, uh, yes, and I, I just want to make one other point. But especially the last caller's point was so good. CARP isn't saying. Uh, get rid of the minister because we don't have a utopian nursing home or long-term care home. Uh, You know, it should be perfect. It should be running like a well-oiled machine. What we're saying is, if you have a short-term crisis, have you responded to the short-term crisis in a clear, organized way? Even if it's Band-Aids, even if it's less than optimal solutions, what are those solutions? Instead, we're getting contradictions, missignals, misinformation. That's the point. It's not that they failed to instantly produce a perfect system. We know that's going to take time and take money. But we have the houses on fire right now, and we're just not seeing enough uh, Effort that looks like they're they're in control of what they're doing, and that's the real reason we think the Minister has got to go it needs energy, it needs commitment, it needs clarity, it needs some vigorous hand at the till and that 's not
1: what we 're seeing uh, interesting, just another point. I know that uh, the minister got a new uh, director of communications and it's it's a former reporter, but you know not a not a wildly experienced reporter i I think i 'm not even sure you could call her a journeyman reporter uh, so we'll have to see if that does any good uh, yeah, peter <laughs> uh, peter uh, your final thought um yeah, you know
2: even if this doesn't result in the minister's uh dismissal and and look we're not we're not just shouting out to to fire her because we want a, a scapegoat it's just you know the 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 call might put the heat on her to produce better results and if that's the outcome that's a great outcome you know we don't we don't necessarily need a a scapegoat, but we need action. And, and if this spurs the government and it spurs Dr. Fullerton to action, that, that that's, a, that's a great outcome as well.
1: Okay, well, uh, we'll see what the outcome will be. Thank you so much, Bill Van Gorder, David Kravitz, and Peter Muggridge.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.